Welcome to Archetypes and the Planets, where Andre Carr and I, Bea Gonzalez, invite you to think metaphorically as we explore how we have collectively translated the map of the sky into our mythologies, religious systems, and personal psychology. Okay, Andre, so today let us look at the conversations that Mercury has with with sorry each of the planets. Um, you know, we can skip the sun and the moon because we've talked about them already. First, let's just really quickly go over the basic principles of that apply to Mercury. Mercury is a translator between the unconscious and the conscious mind is one way I look at it. Uh, in the traditional system, it joins in the first house. So it has a lot to say, I think, with what makes us truly human. Uh, it uh, rules both uh, Gemini and, uh, and uh, Virgo. What else do you want to add to that? Yeah, that's that's a that's a good definition. It's the traditional, in astrology, traditional mind planet, mind communication, words, data, and if if I were to add a distinction, it would be that it's often thought of as the the thinking mind, and then the polarity would be Jupiter as the ruler of the opposite sign in both cases, Sagittarius and Pisces, as the, the uh, what that data points to the vision or the, the right. paradigm or the, the totality of the data, what it means, in other words. Right. The data itself being, being Mercury. And so, yeah, that, that's a good definition. It's also the notion of it being next to the sun, which is what it is physically, and the sun being the 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 self the deep the person's being nature and mercury being the the mental part of their of their being uh, right. so yeah so when we talked about the sun actually just to do give a, a little review although people can go back and listen to our entire we did an entire episode on mercury that was what would be what i would recommend anyway but one thing we did mention about uh, Mercury is that it is the planet that is travels closest to the sun. It retrogrades three times a year. We're in the middle of a Mercury retrograde right now. It's just started uh, in Virgo. But that happens three times a year. And uh, it never gets that far away. So there's the idea of combustion. That sometimes Mercury uh, is burned by the sun. And then we have the other concept we've already discussed of Kazemi. Um, so we have looked at the, the sun Mercury. We've looked at the moon Mercury. Let's now look at Mercury and Mars. And when you put these two planetary archetypes together, uh, what do you see? Uh, you see Marshall, Marshall's speech, for example. If someone at Mercury square Mars, Mercury opposite Mars, the odds increase of caustic, a very forward all the way to aggressive or even vulgar speech. Um, but that would be on the downside. On the, right. on the upside, the Mars will, will energize the mind as well. Mars energizes anything that it touches. So with with everything in astrology, I, I always uh, frame it as high end, low end. And uh, with Mars, the notion of combat and argument and forcefulness is always there, but also the idea of taking action. And so for instance, Mercury aspecting Mars could be very useful for a person that wanted to write a book since Mercury is the actual mechanics many many times of writing a book there it works like a charm if you're working in a in a, a profession where you have to be diplomatic then you have to be careful with what you say 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting about that because one of the charts that we've talked about before that has a Mercury Mars square, weirdly, is Oprah Winfrey, who is has Mercury and Aquarius in the third house, square um, Mars and Scorpio. So very, very strong Mars up there. And that Mars is involved in a T-square, so it's a difficult Mars. But she also, at the same time, has Mercury trying Jupiter. <laughs> so you got mm. a bit of a mix there, right? But you would say that the Mars and Scorpio, in her case, I think, is in the 12th house. And one of the things she brought out into the world a lot is uh, Eckhart Tolle, for example. She brought a lot of spirituality back into the conversation. She brought, And she took a lot of energy, her energy, because one thing, if you watch her, is that she has an incredible amount of energy. And she's used it in service to trying to bring these subjects that are hidden 12 house subjects mm. and uh, brought them out and made them uh you know made them more public so that is a i think a good manifestation even in a square now she does have the support from jupiter which is why i think people when they listen to us have to be very careful because we're speaking very generally here and you have to look at the actual context but that would be one manifestation of um yeah. Uh, that that yeah. aspect in a harsh aspect, but uh, you know you could you could tell she's very spirited, and some people don't like the way she talks because she talks. Uh, there's a lot of it. There's and that's the Jupiter, right? There's a lot yeah. of. We'll get to what Mercury Jupiter is uh, is about, but uh, yeah. So that's one example that came up. The other one that came up uh, for those who are who know a little bit about poetry is Sylvia Plath. She was a poet, an American poet who ended up committing suicide quite young, and she had Mercury square. Uh, she had Mercury and Scorpio square, uh, Mars and Leo. And she was very, her stuff was very deeply emotional, extremely deeply emotional. And it was her failed love affair with her husband, Ted Hughes, who's a poet that led her, it is thought anyway, as much as we can know, to 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 commit suicide. And so that that's an example. Of course, that's not the only thing in her chart. She had a lot of Scorpio and, you know, you got to look at the whole thing. But if you look at her poetry, there is definitely a Mercury, Mars, a longing and a kind of deep sort of martial way, you know, to connect mm. in that that kind of uh, form. Mm. I don't know if you have any uh, that come to mind for you. Well, interestingly, uh, a spiritual teacher, Pirvalayat, had Mercury, Square, ah. Mars, and he was very gentle except when he wasn't. There were two two or three instances that I saw him in his life get very irritated, you know, within within a the a gentle sense. He didn't start screaming. He just said very things that were very impatient, you know, which is another Mars Mercury thing as yes. well. Mars has a quality of I want it now, instantly, let's let's get this done. So he said a couple of things where he he just wanted people to get something done you know, in a, in a certain way, and he was irritated. So that's another uh, way to understand uh, Mercury, Mars is like the irritated mind or the irritated perception, because Mars is is exactly that as well. What you said about Oprah, she's Sagittarius rising, so the Jupiter will really, yeah. really uh, offset the tendency of Mars. But then the way it'll come out is that with Oprah, I bet she will always probably speak directly, because that's the yes. other way to look at Mars, direct. Yes straight to the point and so then that's also can be very helpful and this by the way is an example of where people say well i have a square and it's bad no squares are perfectly fine especially if the if a person feels they have a uh, some kind of impediment or some kind of bad habit and working on it can really uh, change the character in a positive way because it has implications all across the board and it'll make them more expert in that particular area as well Right. So, for right, example, this, yeah. Mercury Mars Square could be great for anger management uh, training <laughs> once you overcome your own anger. That's true of any Mars thing, by the way, but Mercury Mars would be. 
with speech, uh, right? I'm thinking yeah. it's funny speaking about Purgolyat. My memories of him saying, uh, accusing the Sufi order of being the Sufi disorder. That's the, the one time I remember uh, the comment he made because I think there was a lot of uh, lacking in, in administrative uh, kind of things, which I, a Mercury Mars person might might find difficult. Um, okay, so then we move to uh, Mercury Jupiter next, and. Um, what and of course we just talked about a Mercury Jupiter. One of them is Oprah Winfrey, and as you say, it is her Jupiter nicely challenge uh, trying her Mercury, so it really helps her. I mean, first of all, she's an incredible talker. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. One of the complaints people have about her is that she tends to talk too much and doesn't allow the the person that she's interviewing enough uh, space, which seems to me a Jupiter thing. The other one I think who has Mercury Jupiter though is Obama. Am I wrong on that? I think he has. Mercury, he has, but it's opposite. It's opposite. Yeah, yeah. Case, which which yeah. actually. In Obama's case, uh, he uh, he speaks very slowly, probably for other reasons in the chart, uh, possibly Aquarius rising with Saturn ruling, trying Mars, possibly. But uh, the notion of talking, arguing, and uh, yeah, would be would be what Mercury opposite Jupiter, even more than Mercury trying. But you're right that that with um, Oprah, the Mercury is trying and. Uh, Mercury, Jupiter, any contact, but probably more so if it's if it's trine or sextile, it's the notion of insight and wisdom and understanding because you're taking data gathering and joining it harmoniously to the big picture. Mm-hmm. And so then there you could you could say that if they're opposed or square, there's more risk that the person draws conclusions that may not be completely accurate. And yet even then, you know, don't make that mistake with, say, someone like Obama, because I think Obama, if anything, shows you pretty grounded, you know, common sense, uh, mental, mental patterns. He, he's never struck me as someone that would exaggerate or no. No, really. but but where I see the Jupiter in him is hope. He had a message True. that was quite hopeful, right? True. So you could say mm-hmm. that, you know, that's another manifestation of Jupiter. It sees the possibilities as opposed to limitations. So I heard, if you remember back to the 2008 election, there was that, yes, we can. It is possible. That's a Mercury-Jupiter kind of idea, It is. Right? It is. And, and in his case, even more so when Mercury's in Leo, Jupiter's in Aquarius. So it's that notion of the, the we as the Aquarius there, society at large, yes. democracy, and the idea that Mercury and Leo is the individual. So both of those are are in some state of tension. And his message was, Yes, you're an individual, but you're also, you know, he kept reminding Republicans, you know, things don't happen all by themselves. You are benefiting from society as a whole, because whenever he said, well, we did it together, they'd say, no, 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 that's not right. You know, the Joe the Plumber argument, the idea yeah. that <laughs> that everyone just willy-nilly goes out there and, you know, just does something and then everything happens magically and, and they ignore the society at large. So Actually, yes. the one that I think you will remember and I will remember because we used to watch him when we were younger is the Mercury square Jupiter that exists, I think, in the chart of Jimmy Connors, um, and which would make sense too. Jimmy that's Connors, the, the tennis player? Yeah. Is he, does he not have a Mercury Jupiter uh, aspect? Mercury. Okay. That's a, that's a, I, I don't, that's a, you maybe, think I, I, maybe he doesn't. Maybe I got him, uh, maybe I got him confused. I thought he had a Mercury Jupiter uh, aspect as he well. He might. Well, I, I can, I can look that up quickly for you if you like if, yeah no, it'll be interesting because i thought i read that somewhere but and i remember him because of course he's so uh maybe it's a mercury mars i might have actually would make more sense to be mercury mars jimmy connors he had uh let's see you think it's mercury jupiter 
Well, it could be Mars. I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, I mean, the Mars would make much more sense, frankly, given the way he behaved on court. But um, no, it was Mercury Jupiter, yeah. It was Mercury, Mercury Jupiter, Jupiter square. Yeah. So, so here's one way I think it manifested, which is kind of strange because you know he was he was a crazy guy on the court and he would scream and he was known for his speech. Part of it was the way he behaved in speaking in a way that was considered unbecoming, in the very kind of rigid uh, way of tennis. But then he parlayed that he tra- he as 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 an older man, he's now one of the most respected commentators on on uh, tennis right so it it at the beginning what what seemed to be like an out of control mercury overdoing became um something that he's now channeled into something and the other thing that's interesting about him by the way is he is used as a voice as an actual voice in a series on netflix called never have i ever it's uh, this this voice of jimmy connors keeps going through the whole thing which really? i think is interesting too yeah yeah he, he okay, that i didn't know character. but We'll have to, we'll put, let's table him because the reason a big part of uh, Connors is that it was Mercury Jupiter. This is where astrology gets complicated. It was yes. Mercury conjunct Pluto square Jupiter. That's a, mm. now you're bringing in the okay, real well, reason why yeah. that, that he had that, that swagger and that ultra competitive, uh, yeah. take no prisoners uh, attitude. And that that's because of the, uh, the, Plut- the Pluto next to Mercury. But we'll talk about Pluto later. So we'll yeah, okay. But that, that the Jupiter, let's say the Mercury Jupiter, is exaggerating that tendency to a, to a yeah, exactly, level. exactly. Yeah, it's just exactly. making it larger. Yeah. Okay. What about Mercury um, next in the list? Would be Mercury Saturn. You know, you left Venus. You oh my God! I left. Did I not? Yeah, you did didn't I do Venus. Be, oh, I didn't do Venus. How did I skip Venus? Wow. Okay, so let's go back. Sorry. You All skipped right, so, over Venus. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it says something about me because mine are sextile. I should not have skipped over that. Okay, so what? What Mercury Venus seems to me like a very pleasant thing to have in the chart, right? Your uh, pleasant speech or a pleasant um, or interesting maybe the speech uh, translated into Venus-like activities, right? What, how do you look at it? Yeah, it's a, it, Mercury Venus in in well in, for sure in sextile aspect. And maybe also in semi-square, though it's obviously going to be more difficult to to express it in semi-square. But Mercury Venus is the idea of soft talking, selling, convincing. You're you're softening, and it's like you're adding a harmony and beauty to your speech. But you can already see how that could be problematic if someone were uh, had a manipulating style. They're going to take that, and and they're going to to use it you know to their advantage so, so you might find mercury venus just as likely to find it in a good politician as you would in a serial killer you know you have to yeah, say interesting <laughs> of course <laughs> <laughs> you have to be very careful right but it's, it's the logic that when all is said and done it's you always think of venus as as uh bringing about uh some harmony you know some have called Venus consensus is like we all agree this is the way to speak this is the way to communicate so it's great for salesmanship for example and maybe potentially another thing you could add it to is whenever you see Venus contacts is the because of the idea of beauty it can show up as well in other areas like what happens with moon Venus I don't know if you remember when we talked about how it can correlate with people that are interior decorators because they're yes, trying to make yes, things more beautiful. Things so, beautiful yeah. But then you might see that more as a communication thing or as a teacher of that when you have Mercury mm-hmm. or as someone who talks it, like Mercury right. Venus. Well, in my case, I, I've looked at it as why I write novels and literary novels or did. Mm-hmm. That, that was my beginning. 
because you know Venus Mercury. Yes, I'm writing, but I'm writing a Venus-like thing. I'm not writing. Um, and I say this because my Venus obviously is in the ninth house, so it has something to do with publishing. So it can come in many ways. Absolutely, I'm surprised I skipped it. I because I'm sure that's uh, that's an aspect that shows up. Okay, so we were uh, we did Mars, we did Jupiter. We we now are heading to Saturn, which is most people would consider a little bit more problematic, but maybe not. And the person that jumps to mind immediately with a very tight Mercury conjunct Saturn, I believe in the 10th house, is Einstein, Albert Einstein. Right. And what what draws my attention about that is that it has been said that a lot of scientists, if you look at uh, signs overrepresented, and scientists, Saturn shows up very big, right, in mm-hmm. that. And, and what's interesting is he has in Mercury and Pisces, which is considered a Mercury that is debilitated because it's, you know, the antithesis to Mercury and Virgo. It's exalted in Virgo. Mercury and Pisces would be... Um, a lot uh, a lot weaker it's considered right however that saturn conjunction i think really uh, makes it powerful no he has mercury in aries no he doesn't does he he doesn't he's a pisces but he has he had mercury in aries oh sorry saturn yeah 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 yeah. sorry he has yeah. he has mercury in, in aries right I had yeah and I, you know and th- this is where what i with the only thing i can think of there that ties it to aries but actually it's pretty good because einstein's uh, uh einstein's genius was it starts with he would do this thing where he would go into his imagination and he would right. play with some idea like apparently when he discovered uh, when he when he uh, started doing the math for relativity he was imagining someone falling off a ledge who was cleaning a window and he was trying yeah. to picture the earth's forces and what was happening and this and that but then mercury mercury next to saturn that's what allows him to do the math because yeah. saturn is the measuring planet that's why it shows up a lot in scientists and if you think about the fact that it's in aries aries is an energy sign and his his insights were all about energy he realized the mass is the same as energy depending on how uh you know the speed of light which was constant all of that sounds more Aryan than piscean but the yeah, yeah. the idea of spacing out and and uh spicy, all of that is yeah is, yeah, is more yeah uh, i know i think I, I got confused because it was a saturn that is in detriment because it's in aries but both those but having mercury saturn together in aries also show him to be um uh he, he's basically charts new territories that's what aries is a lot a lot like right it finds mm-hmm. paths and way and avenues that other people can't see but yeah, yeah the pisces is very strong in him but but it's interesting that i don't think without the saturn there that you would have had the discipline and the and the uh the ability to say to count i mean saturn to count, actually, yeah, yeah to the math saturn yeah because the hard part the hard part was when he was trying to prove you know his perception was telling him something then he had to show it through numbers and it took quite a number of years for science to catch up and realize yeah this guy is uh he said but one of the things he said that was very strange is he said light follows doesn't go in a straight line it follows the curvature of space so the shortest distance from one point to another is along the curve not you know because you'd think well it's just going through space in a straight line it is not it goes along the curve and people thought well that's weird and then they did an experiment and exactly what he said uh happened because the way planets where they were located in space could only happen according to his to his formulas so you know that part mercury saturn to me is the idea of thinking very practically very very uh, methodically math the idea that you know one plus one is always two the speed of light is always constant things like that and then you but then that's not going to by itself you know bring you into relativity and things like that for that you need some pretty serious imagination as well which is what he had it's funny i was listening to a book today and they mentioned francis crick 
And he he claims that that it was during an, an LSD trip that he actually came up with uh, with the uh, oh, I'm trying to think of what crime Francis Crick. Sorry, I'm having a Oh, he, the uh, DNA. Yes, the DNA. He what he, saw he took? It. That guy took acid. Yes. That's, that's oh, a lot of people did. I mean, this is, this is a different <laughs> time, right? When before it was. Before it was, and I, and I think it's interesting that Neptune and Pisces has brought brought uh, psychedelics back into the conversation, yes. right? Okay, right. so a lot of people were experimenting, as you know, prior to it being criminalized by Nixon. It became very political at some point, but but he was one of the people who said afterwards, no, I saw this first. And that to me seems like imagination again, coming back, but then you need the actual... Um, you need the actual way to to prove it, right? It's not just imagination. It. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And, you know, something else about Mercury-Saturn, because this is on the level of practical human existence. If someone has Mercury-Saturn, especially if they're conjunct, square, or opposed, then Saturn being what it is, it's Saturn is a narrowing energy. So yeah. the idea of someone who might have a tendency toward depression or you know too much contraction because Saturn on the upside its contraction is really focused so it allows you to do really practical things by isolating things putting boxes around them you know you get great energy that way but psychologically a person could become depressive and so it's good to realize that and then the way to work against it with with Saturn is to in a sense do the very thing that the archetype suggests which is to concentrate the mind center the mind bring it in uh, and, and so in that reduction you actually escape the potential downside which is to become depressed and and you know it, 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 with Saturn it's always like that it feels like it's reducing your options well if you reduce them on purpose you're in fine shape there's no problem you know Right. Well, and the other thing is, I think a Mercury Saturn person would be very good at details in a way would focus the mind. And the person I'm thinking of is Steve Jobs, who was a Virgo rising with Mercury square Saturn, Mercury right. retrograde, actually square Saturn. And uh, it's kind of interesting, because if you think about his whole ethic or ethos was about the details, he would turn around the iPhone and every little Every little um, nail had to be exactly in a certain way, right? Uh, right. That to me seems like a hyper-focused Mercury. And especially again, Mercury he had an Aquarius, so technology would be where where he would play this out. But but I find that like if you think about it, it's not meditation per se, but he was meditating really on the aesthetics of something, even though it's it was technology. And you'd think, well, why? And and famously, he would focus on things most people, yeah, they would just not bother with it, right? So he's another good example of that Mercury Saturn, and it was a square, so it was you know it was driving him in a big way. And and sure. and I think that probably made him quite difficult, being that he is known to have been difficult. Because you would ex you would exact, especially as the ruler of your chart, you would expect other people to be as as conscious of um, of the kind of detail details he was conscious of, which of course not everybody's wired that way. So I thought his chart was really interesting in that regard. Yeah, it's true. He had, he did have a square. He also Saturn was linked to Venus, so that's also. Yeah. You know, we're just saying Mercury, Venus. So the aesthetics, if you link Saturn to Venus, it can, in a sense, do the very same thing as well. That's true. In, yes. in, uh, but yeah, Mercury for sure, square Saturn and uh, in Aquarius for the technology and for the also just uh, Mercury, Mercury, Saturn in any connection. It, uh, and I think it's on the upside, but it'll, it'll make a person work. Saturn is a work energy. So yep. the yep. danger there is workaholic. So that's another thing that very simplistic, but totally 
you know, valid thing if a person says, well, I, I tend to get uh, depressed. The solution is just do something, go and do something. And then uh, that will, you know, the, the activity will uh, help you to resolve. Right. It's because you're sitting around thinking. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> Mercury. <laughs> Which is Mercury's favorite game, right? So yeah. Saturn would be, yeah, the applied uh, applying discipline to that thought thinking process. Yeah, yeah and watching yeah. it actually having a watcher that just tracks what yeah. you're doing because I think Saturn also tracks. It's one of the things, one of the planets we use to notice and to track. Yeah, and it measures. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, measures, for example, yeah. if a person, I mean, if you think about the way the mind works, if a person said, "Well, I have." I have Mercury Saturn and I get depressed. Then you, you say to them, okay, well, here's a task for you. Spend an hour or 30 minutes or start somewhere and uh, use a pen and paper and track how many thoughts go through your mind. Just try to get as close to the number as possible. Well, in doing that, there's introspection and there's measurement. And after the period, during the period, he's not going to be depressed. He's going to be too busy to be depressed. And then he'll be gaining an insight into what thoughts are going through and the process itself and all of that. And now you're doing the dynamic uh part of that conjunction instead of you fall in and you ponder the different ways in which your mind is limited and and right. so forth right well, how you can't get things done right so moving to mercury uranus there seems to be to me and this is like the classic outlier thinker right the person who doesn't think along the same lines as um as the the, the norm let's say do you have mm -hmm. any uh, examples or any 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 ideas around how this looks in in uh... yeah, i thought maybe tesla I thought Tesla might have had Nikola Tesla might have had a Mercury Uranus. Um, I can't Tesla? be sure. That, That's yeah. possible. I, I can look that up quickly. But yeah, Uranus. Yeah. One of the things about Uranus is that is that as uh, I believe this is out there as a at least a hypothesis that I've always felt is correct. I don't know if it's in the Hellenistic astrology because they they don't give as much. Right. Um, you know, to the as much power to the outer planets uh, and so forth, but. Mercury, Uranus is supposed to be the higher octave of Mercury. It's where Mercury in a kind of uh, higher level. And to me, that feels really correct because Uranus has a, a, a very mental quality to it. Right. Uh, so that the idea of a brilliant thinker, a person that transcends norms. Uh, yes, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm not sure it was Sam who had it. I, I was looking and... Uh... Um, and of course, we, we don't have a time of birth for someone like Tesla. That would be impossible. But um, and uh, I don't really see that it has. That would still work, though, even without a time of birth. If yeah, Mercury you could tell it. Yeah, it's not. It's not tied to uh, to Mercury. Is actually tied. Bizarrely enough, it's at the end of. Um, it's actually more tied. Well, that's interesting. It's tied to the next one we'll talk to, which is Neptune. It has more of a relationship to Neptune than it does to Uranus. You would have thought, interesting enough, that it would be. Um, it would be, but actually, the square is between Neptune and and, um, and um, actually, though, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Mercury, Mercury is twenty eight degrees Gemini. Right. And the other one's twenty. And twenty, Uranus is twenty four almost. So then, right, that yeah, it's, would be, it's, uh, it's actually between Neptune. So we'll talk about him in a while. But yeah, yeah. I would always consider that that it would be an outlier kind of personality, as someone who doesn't think conventionally, someone who's maybe thinking quickly. Do you think speed might have something to that? Mercury yes. Well, and Uranus? you know. We, we yeah. didn't say that about Mercury. Mercury is speed itself. Is, yeah. One of the things you notice with Mercury is that it's very useful as a coordinated energy for quick movement, like for athletes. They often will have really good Mercuries because Mars is the classic athlete, but Mars is a kind of brute force, you know, physicality. The idea of nerves, too. The, the Uranus is definitely a nervous system connection and so is mercury so having a 
good mind and a good nervous system is very mercurial. If you put Mercury and Uranus together, you get more of that. Now, the, the problem can be, though, because Uranus is quick and spontaneous and hard to pin down, you do get erratic behavior, you know, which is one of Uranus's um, uh, problems, let's yes. say. Someone at Mercury Uranus, they might uh, switch converse, you know, switch topic in the middle of the conversation because their mind is racing to something. So these things are all operating at the same time. And that's, as I said earlier, right? I think with astrology, it's critical to always see things in a binary sense, high and low end, you know, light, shadow, how is the person using the the uh, Mercury Uranus? But I would say overall, that's a very good connection between planets to have Mercury and Uranus together because it'll it'll add something insightful to right. to the person's mind, you know, right. and, and something also independent too. Right, right, right. I mean, it would make it maybe a difficult aspect if um, if that's tied up to a house where you know, like with partnerships or whatever, it could it could get it complicated because Uranus is also. The, the one that doesn't like to follow rules. So if you're looking at, on the one hand, you can have a brilliant thinker because they're not following rules, but you can also have someone that can be borderline not well and that they're following, they, they refuse to follow rules in such to such a great degree that it could be actually somebody that is just completely not functional. So I think you could have it both, both ways. But in the, with Uranus, yeah, I, I see it as somebody that the people I know who have it they're very good thinkers. That's what I noticed. They're just very good thinkers. They're able to put things together that uh, a lot of people don't don't uh, see. So, yeah, yeah. No, that that with Uranus, anytime you're you're breaking through barriers, discovering something new, uh, particularly if it's if it's technological, engineering, right, um, languages, all of that, uh, right. definitely and 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 for sure. Uh, the the ex president has doesn't have them together but oh, yeah, no. he, both of them are very strong for different reasons and the idea of the uranus rebellion and the and then the notion that mercury has speech and talking and and always do it take the, being contrarian being outrageous you know the the uh, shadowy side of uranus which is like a uranus i understand that on the very high end would be like someone, for example, if you if you found a person that was a very humane scientist, someone who really understood the science of the world, but was very humane. And on the bottom end, it's a, an unruly teenager that yeah. uh, is just rebelling all the time and, and cry, trying to create chaos, like the idea of oppositional defiance. You know, the his, his attorney general said he's like a kid that keeps, you know, taunting the parents to see how far he can... Well, it's interesting because Mercury is literally youth. I always think of Mercury as the youth, the teen, the one, okay? And then you put it together with Uranus, which is a little bit associated with revolution. But the revolutions yeah. you want to start that are that kind are, yeah, they're adolescent and they're not well thought through. Yeah. And they're, they're insane, you know, right? And by the way, the thing about like in, in the in a, in the ex-president's case, they're not linked by aspect, but there is another way you can do astrology, which is, what sign is Uranus in? It was, it was in Gemini, and Gemini is ruled by Mercury. So if right. Mercury is the ruler of right, the right. planet, they're automatically linked, even if they have no aspect. And, and then you can even argue that part of the reason he is so out of control is because they don't have an aspect. If they had an aspect, he probably would understand uh, something about it. This has been said by astrologers that planets that are not aspecting, uh, they go subconscious. You don't know yeah. what's happening and then you express them thinking that you're on the right track when in fact right. you're not linking right. the two energies together. 
Yeah, I know that it become it can become very very dangerous indeed. I mean, it's uh, the shadow side. I like the way you put it that you always have to consider that there is a a, a more evolved expression of the the planetary combination and definitely the shadow side, which, which can be very destructive. Not yeah, only you know, like self, but others. You know, for example, with um, the idea of um, people with fast hands or fast like thieves right. and yes. uh, 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 con men. That's very mercurial. The idea yeah, of. Course. of very quickly, very slippery. Think of what Mercury, the, the metaphor, I mean, it's not really up to true, the actual Mercury, the substance, is impossible to grab. It's very slippery. It moves right. around, right. which is where, especially in modern society, it's the idea of talking your way out of things, you know, creating speech uh, to maneuver, uh, uh, you know, persuade, uh, and do something like that. Uh, that's very mercurial as well, right? Uh, and with Uranus, if you link it to Uranus, the notion of very quick speed, grasping something and instantly, which uh, uh, from a different vantage point could be called what people call intuition. You have a whole lot of data in there and then your mind just flashes instantly on some solution. That would be a Mercury Uranus. Uh, well, on the thief, if the people go back and listen to our Mercury um, episode, obviously Hermes was stole Apollo's cattle. That's how we that's how how the uh, story goes already in the myth. So he was he was and he was a baby when he did this. So from the beginning he was stealing. Um, but yeah, but he got away with stuff too. And that's actually a good lesson to not let the thieves get away with stuff because then they continue exaggerating or or hitting bigger targets. All right, getting to Mercury Neptune. Um, that this is the this is the going back to Tesla because he that's the one he had. I thought it was Uranus, but it's actually Neptune. He was a visionary. He he was yeah. looking yeah. at something completely. You know the other person who had it is. Um, as a as an artist who was a visionary and who was really Neptunian in the way that he kept changing identities and and that was uh, David Boy who was born also with uh, Mercury Neptune mm -hmm. uh, Mercury Square Neptune uh, Mercury and Capricorn Square Neptune Libra I believe so mm -hmm. that if you think about the identity issue right that how Neptune really never it's unlike Saturn there's no concrete there uh, uh, and with with David Boy if you remember he went through that whole period where he was playing with gender. Uh, issues way beyond anybody was doing this and it was and it was really deep deep uh, it was really deep thinker actually we actually hear him interviewed he um you know there's clips that go around he was really thinking on a completely different level um than a lot of people way way before that um but yeah the visionary aspect of neptune right that it can be now it can also on the shadow side be delusional let's face it mercury neptune in some respect can be the classic and we've seen this the classic conspiracy theorists right because they believe mm -hmm. anything they they will uh they will be easily drawn in to uh to um <clears throat> uh, ideas that that are not grounded in reality because neptune if we know one thing about it it's not really grounded in reality at all mm -hmm. yeah yeah well the ex-president has mercury square neptune so there's <laughs> this, right no, it's, it's another way no it's totally true and uh uh the neptune in the pure sense, if you link it to Mercury, and you said visionary, because it's it is the visioning, it's the sense of you can go in your mind and create pictures of something that is sometimes completely imaginary, and that's where conspiracies or lies or you know created stuff that isn't real. But Tesla would have been, and it's I believe I read this that he would imagine the entire engine in his mind, and he could much like Einstein be inside his mind and do these thought experiments where you can imagine everything. And I, I know that astrology can be this way as well, that to my understanding, to do astrology really well, you need to be able to see charts in your mind, not just uh, look at them, but be able to create the picture.
you know, right, of, right, of the right. planets and where they are, because it just gives you a, access to another level of um, of understanding. And so, yeah, that fits really well the with the notion of uh, visioning, imagination. So, but see, this is where it could be just as likely to be a scientist like a Tesla, or in his case, an engineer. But it could also make for a great poet, someone who oh yeah, uh, well, Neptune expressing expressing deep feelings because Neptune is where where Uranus is said to be the higher octave of Mercury, Neptune is said to be the higher octave of Venus. So it's like love and super love and the idea of the cosmic, uh, you know, whatever, and it comes through you as as poetry, as deep feelings, as all of that. Right. So all of that could be could be Mercury. Well, it's funny. I think I've just thought of David Bowie. One of his most famous songs was the one in outer space. And I can't remember the whole thing, but it starts like that. And that's a Mercury Neptune kind of um, kind of idea, because I think Mercury Neptune can connect you both to your intuitive capabilities, because I think you can have great intuition with those two in combination. But I think also it is um, if I think of poetry, I do think very much of a Mercury Neptune vibe that you're really using language in a way that is non-specific, but actually takes you to a, a different place. I also think of Mercury Neptune as being like any Neptune contact can be very spiritual, right? In the mm -hmm. sense of, uh, but, and I, I know you've introduced me to writers who are like this. Some writers who are very spiritual are actually very confusing, which is another great word for Neptune. And part of the logic is, well, we're not trying to write linearly because if you're writing linearly, uh, you're writing in a very specific kind of left brain tradition. And to understand what they're talking about, you almost have to transcend that. And that's another mm -hmm. great Neptune word. And so you have both the, the poetic and the spiritual and the confused. I mean, there are a lot of people with that aspect that, or when you're having a by transit that you can feel pretty confused um, yeah. because, uh, because Neptune kind of puts you in a fog for a while. So you can get great art, but you can also get a, a heck of a muddle because you don't know where you are or what you're doing. So. Yeah, that's true. That's what's true. Uh, speaking of Mercury Neptune, because let's say you you talk to a person with Mercury Neptune, uh, what do you, how do you, knowing that you know there's a tendency maybe to be a little bit too open to ideas, so that you might be creating a, a fantasy world, would you say use Saturn to kind of ground it, try to find a way to 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 an escape route by which you do not get trapped in these these thought patterns? Like I feel like we're kind of living through a Mercury Neptune period in in the world right now. Where you know there's just uh, confusion, you know the idea of flooding the zone with 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 misinformation. It's really big, and I believe there's that that kind of vibe is in the air. What what do you think? Well, the, the Neptune for sure, because Neptune in Pisces has done on the shadow side has definitely produced that, and Mercury Neptune, Mercury Neptune, the Mercury Neptunes that I know that are that are. Uh, often most connected they're meditators they they uh allow the neptune is a, neptune is by nature spacey and wide open and it's a it's a dissolving kind of energy it that's why it's so problematic for the ego because it's trying to always wash it away any organization that you try to create the neptune comes in and says no no that's not it that's not it mm -hmm. so but if you're once again like how we said earlier around someone who is doing saturnian counting of their thoughts, very mechanical, very Saturnian, can get insights into what's going on in there. Person that is doing uh, some form of introspection, uh, you know, tuning into what is going on within themselves, will give uh, expression to that Mercury-Neptune square and become, in a way, become familiar with what is going on in there that is that is confusing to them. It's Once again, it's the confusion is because you're trying to make sense of something 
that you can't make sense of logically. You know, Neptune is not particularly logical. It's a, no, it's a transcendent <laughs> it's type, of, yeah. type of logic. So, uh, so the advice would be to, uh, similar to Mercury, Saturn, but, but in a way, a little more mystical. And like, it's sort of the idea of saying to a person, you know, there are a lot of meditations out there that say, just do nothing. Just spend yeah. a period of time doing conscious nothing and just see what see what comes through you. That's a Neptunian um, right. Neptunian pattern. But it could just could also be done. Suppose a person had Saturn in there as well. So now you're introducing a third element, and they think, no, that's too that's too much. I mean, how can I do nothing? I mean, I got to do something, you know, because Saturn always wants to do something. So then, a way to do it would be, for instance, those those patterns where they tell you breathe in for so many counts, hold for so much, and, and then breathe out you're creating the state that Neptune best expresses, which is peace of mind right. and a kind of open-ended uncertainty, but pleasant, right? Where you realize, yeah, I can just be at peace. I don't know the answer, but it's okay to not know the answer. Yeah. That, that would be the way I would uh, uh, frame it. And then, you know, be on the lookout for uh, people like the ex-president with Mercury square Neptune. Mercury square Neptune is literally the uh, Mercury square and opposed and conjunct. It, I, alongside with conspiracies, lies, just lies, basically uh, made up stuff that's not true. You just put it out. So you could see how, for instance, in the in in the hands, no pun intended, of a salesman, it could be really, really dangerous. Oh, yeah, yeah you could them. almost think that it's like that's the ultimate way to sell. In fact, when I think, you know, that whole period where they were doing experiments with hypnosis, which is very much about the subliminal, subliminal messaging, uh, mm -hmm. That seems to me to me to be a, Met, a Mercury Neptune yes. kind of activity, right? Because yes. what you're trying to do is be the salesman, but using these these uh, Neptunian uh, methods where you're you're infiltrating someone's unconscious um, mind, which is why I think they were banned eventually because they saw that actually this works, you know. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so now we can go to Jimmy Connors and say that yeah, Mercury uh, that Mercury Pluto because because it's funny. I mean, his his mouth he was legendary, and so the Mercury Jupiter definitely applies because. As an athlete, you know about him as much for the fact that he was so mouthy. In, in an era where he was playing with Borg, was really, really, you know, basically very classy. Um, and and his his uh, tantrums were legendary and exaggerated and and disproportionate, which is Jupiter. But on the other hand, yeah, having Pluto there, as you say, the Mercury Pluto, it's like a extreme competitiveness would be one thing, obviously. Um, right. But Mercury, Mercury, Pluto would also be the way I look at it. it. Could be very paranoid, no? Because you're you're uniting a very big force like Pluto, which can be lost in the. It's a kind of the 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 energy that gets lost in the forest and only see the trees and can't see the whole thing. And you're applying it to Pluto to Mercury. On one hand, I guess it could make for a great investigator on the on the positive side. It could make for a great uh, private detective, for for an investigator of any kind. On the other hand, could there not be a tendency to overinterpret in a in a in a Pluto kind of way? You know, see things where they're not there. Uh, be a little bit paranoid. Yeah, is that a possibility? Is the shadow side? Yeah, for sure, for sure. The Plutonian energy is very intense, and it uh, tilts to the in the intensity to over control and to uh, temperamentally to a kind of overwhelming power fascists have, yeah. have Plutonian uh, energy. And if you put it next to Mercury, that's a definite, uh, definite uh, possibility. There's no question that that could happen. Uh, but again, it's on the, uh, it's the idea of a light shadow. That's the shadow of Pluto. But if you think of Pluto as an abductor, you know, someone that kidnaps, uh, there's a kidnapping going on and there's an overpowering going on and there's this 
thing happening, then you project from there to imagine all the various ways in which that can go wrong. But on the other side, Plutonian energy, because of its intensity uh, next to Mercury, could, could be a very deep mind, very psychological, very attuned to how the mind works, how people's minds work, because Pluto has this other quality that I remember connecting with this many years ago, an astrologer said somewhere that the idea of, of mass manipulation or understanding the masses, the, the big patterns in society. So a Mercury Pluto person could be particularly expert at that and that, that could also make them a very dangerous salesperson, but it could also make them very insightful. It just adds tremendous depth to the mind and uh, there's also the investigative power of Pluto because Pluto, Pluto, I think, has associations, even if you don't want to say rule Scorpio, it has connections to Scorpio oh, for yeah. sure. There's a very uh, strong connection. So the idea of, a, of a, uh, an investigator, uh, you know, it's, it's the idea that, you know, when uh, there was this movie that I remember many years ago where there was a character, a Stephen King movie, where the character is obsessed with uh, oh, finding the, the bad guy. And that's another quality of Pluto, by the way, excess anything. So the person said, look, you're just, you're paranoid. You're, you're so paranoid about this person. And he said, total paranoia equals total awareness. And it's, <laughs> okay. the, it's sort of the notion that Pluto Mercury could be a very good investigator around policing or paying extreme attention to something. So in that sense, you see where Pluto has some connection to Saturn that way as well, because they're both really intense energies in different ways mm -hmm. and uh but on the dark side let's let's just say for sure because pluto to equate pluto on the to light energy it's kind of a reach you know it really yeah. doesn't fit very well yeah, um, that, yeah. i can't i honestly can't see that as a late uh, part of it but as you can say you can express it in a much more positive way and one way would be to again try to lighten it up a bit somehow yeah and you, know, you, you see a lot of Powerful communication and Pluto Mercury. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very common where you see a person's uh, writing ability, speaking ability, persuasive too. There's a persuasive quality to Mercury Pluto. So all of those, you know, including the dangers that it can represent, right? Because right. anything you hear as a positive quality can be turned into a yeah, and the, into the a wrong problem. consciousness will, will will change anything from like to and, to dark. Because you want yeah. Since Pluto is connected to. I think connected to Scorpio, or even if you don't connect it to Scorpio, it's already said to be the Lord of the underworld. So yes. it's a death energy. So the idea yeah. of change and transformation, Pluto Mercury is attuned to right. the forces of change. So that, that would make for a great psychologist as well, because they're able to go from one state to another or talk it through. You know, yes. uh, the idea of cognitive therapy, for instance, that, uh, that would be a, a classic Mercury Pluto getting the person to understand through cognition and mercurial whatever yeah, to yeah, yeah, reach true. the other side of that yeah yeah that's absolutely exactly. very true yeah. okay well i think we did the rounds with mercury next time we will look at mars and work our way through of course as we go through when we get to the outer planets we'll do them all together because they're more generational right now we're looking at inner planets in contact with the outer planets and yeah, what happens you want to do a yeah. quick mercury eras because eras is the oh new, yeah yeah go ahead go ahead you talk i mean that's well, when you mercury eras people like I would get, gauge at least this, that Eris seems to be very competitive, probably because of the, in the myth, there's a competition happening. And so yeah. the idea of a, a, a great, a competitive instinct, which by the way, once again, the ex-president, great uh, illustration. He has Mercury square Eris. Yeah. And 
the idea of cutthroat, your competing scorched earth approach is is going to be common, right, with a, with a person like that. And then the upside is competing hard is not a bad idea because competing can improve performance and so forth. But when it's when it becomes um, when it goes off the rails, then it would be it would be a problem. The other thing would be that uh, this is now speculation, but my feeling is that you would find it uh, often in the charts of especially women that are representing female power right. in their in their um, in their life and their thinking. If you put Mercury and Eris together because of the notions that Eris represents, including, for example, advocating for those that have been left behind, you know, and having thought patterns around all of that. And there's more to be discovered with this planet, um, yeah. but definitely the competitive that I can attest to a hundred percent from you know from my own chart, from charts that it, I've yeah. studied. Yeah, that it has that quality. Do you know? Um, do you know? Uh, I guess not. I was wondering if it was active in uh, Greta Thunberg's chart. Mercury is pretty late in Capricorn in her uh, chart. Do you have a time? Uh, and I can I can tell you. Uh, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's third January twenty. Oh, you know we don't have a time. We have well, even uh, without well, a time, but with a yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. She's January third, twenty uh, two thousand three, Stockholm, Sweden. And she just seems like a great example of an Eurus warrior, and that January you know, January third, you said, yeah, two thousand three, um, in Stockholm, she, yeah, in Stockholm. And I just uh, I when when you're talking about the kind of uh, she's a female fighter, she's fighting for the environment. I mean, it's like the the warrior, and then she, she you know she's quite powerful and was quite powerful very young, which you know might actually speak to the Capricorn energy. She has Mercury the moon and uh, sun all in Capricorn. So that that's part of it. And she's almost like an old person being very young or she was behaving much older than she really is and much more mature and certainly wiser. But I wonder if how far Iris was by the time she was born. And it wouldn't have been as far as the Mercury, but there probably is an aspect because it is late. In, uh, no, certainly... It wasn't the Mercury, but she had Iris. The moon, right? Iris to the moon, moon right. and sun, her sun right. and moon. The... No, well, the moon might be if she's born late in the day, it disconnects it quite a bit. But the sun, there's a square there for sure. Right, right. Mercury, let me see. So sixty. So Mercury's okay, so late. no. So here's what's interesting. Mercury. Uh, this is one that if you don't again, if you don't measure. So her Mercury was twenty-eight and a half Capricorn, and Eris was nineteen. It's nineteen, and about a quarter, nineteen minute degrees, seventeen right. minutes. That's a ninth harmonic because it's exactly almost exactly 80 degrees. Right. And first of all, her Mercury was stationary at birth. This makes it's her Mercury strong. yeah. more strong, stronger, yeah. more connected. Yeah. And Mercury in Capricorn, it's a good place for Mercury. Mercury, is, it has the Saturn uh, quality right. of being more precise, more practical. And if you put it in an aspect like that to Iris, she is naturally a female warrior. Like it's not, it's a, 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 not even a... Uh, with ninth harmonic, it's completely wired in. It's totally natural to you, and you express it without any thought, and you actually do it harmoniously. Does she th does she get strident, or is, does she speak? Uh... Well, she she doesn't speak stridently. She's actually considered more. Uh, you know, she she gets passionate. But uh, you know, if you remember that famous uh, picture of her staring down Trump, you know, she was very mm -hmm. young at the time. There's an intensity about her and a seriousness about her, which does speak to all the Capricorn planets. But she's definitely on the warrior's path. I mean, she really truly. Now you can look at think about a chart. She has Saturn opposite Pluto. She has Mercury, uh, uh, Venus, Mars conjunct in, in Scorpio. There is a little bit of an element of a warrior in her, 
But I was wondering, and of course now that Eris will be squaring and might have even been squaring that moon when she came to prominence because we don't know where the moon is because we don't have her exact time of birth, but she came to prominence a while ago, right? It was maybe five, six, actually even before. It was before he got elected. So maybe 2015, I can't quite remember. But, you know, you saw a new power. Here's this this tiny a young woman who is willing to take on the establishment. And to me, she is like a, a great representation of that energy, for sure. Actually, I, the way I would put that is that uh, because her, Merc her Mercury uh, and Eris are in ninth harmonic, so they're yeah. almost exactly degrees apart. It's when Eris reaches the 90 degrees, the square, yes. that, but that's years away because Eris has to reach... 28 degrees and Eris is a right. glacially slow planet yes, transit. So you were looking at somewhere and she's born in 2003. I would mm -hmm. say it's when she's in her mature years, 50s, 60s, that you'll see the true Greta emerge because Eris will square Mercury for like about a decade, right? And then yeah, you'll see yeah. massive uh, something or other, right? Yeah. Uh, it's the idea that, that if you think of a planet in ninth harmonic, goes to a square, that person expresses that dynamically then. They're, they're right. moving it into the world, but because it's in ninth harmonic, it's got a really good chance of succeeding. It's a, it's a right. very nice uh, energy uh, to, to have between planets. Right? Well, we hope well, for, for all of us that, uh, I don't know, we'll be around, but I hope that people do listen to her because she certainly has a lot to say that's valuable and, and her courage is immense for being such a young person again, you know? Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. She's now 20, but I mean, that's 20. She's been around for six, seven years, um, advocating for climate change and, and, or for, for helping not for climate change, but, uh, helping trying to help the climate. So let me okay. see here really quickly, yeah. let, let, yeah. how long will it take for years? So, uh, pop, 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 20. Okay. No. So it's, it's roughly, uh, Actually, by by the time she's about about forty, it uh, forty. So, in the period between, uh, even sooner than that. So we don't have to wait. A lot. I, I said fifty, sixties. It's sooner. It's around the age, late thirties, early forties, before fifty, because that's when Eris is very late in Aries, yeah. and it'll right. it'll close right. that um, that aspect. Well, something to watch. Here it is. You can come back and figure it out if uh, if something did uh, did materialize. But she's definitely an important voice. Okay, so next time we'll take on uh, Mars. And, uh, and I guess when you get to Mars, we might even take Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn together. Because as we get closer into this, it's harder you, you, to... You yeah. seem to really... You, you seem to have a thing with Venus. What happened to Venus? <laughs> I know. I don't know. Maybe I, that's weird. I don't know why, uh, why, why Venus keeps disappearing. Did I do this before? Because if I did, then I need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you just you just went from you went so we've done Sun Moon Mercury and now and then you just hop over Venus and you go to Mars. So I think next time it's I think it's Venus. <laughs> well, we went, but we we have done Venus. Have we not already done Venus with all the uh, with all the? Uh... Oh no, because next time it's Venus. Sorry, what well, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not even. Oh my God, I, we've done it before. We just did, not in the sequence. So not in the be, sequence. So yeah. that is so funny. I don't, yeah, well, maybe there's something to uh, to really reflect upon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, okay, you're right. Next time it's Venus. Not I guess it's because it's retrograde, and you're because it's retrograde. It's out of your. Yes, right now it's confusing me completely. Yeah. It's not really there. It's in the underworld. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, we'll talk about uh, Venus next time. Thanks for. All right. Thanks Sounds for the good. conversation. All right. <laughs>
Thanks for listening today. If you want to hear more about all of this, go to YouTube where you will find Andre's channel called Astrology Alert. He posts videos there almost daily. He also teaches classes through his Patreon account. You can find me at sophiacycles.com. If you want to support my work, I've recently released a new novel called Invocation, which you may find of interest. Go to my website to see a book trailer about it. It's available in all fine bookstores, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Finally, if you like this podcast, please rate it and leave a review so that others will find it as well. 